Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to episode five of Desirability Alt. I'm so happy to have you join me here. On today's episode, we'll discuss making BDSM play accessible for all of us. I'll start off talking about what attracts me to BDSM play. Then we'll talk about safety, negotiations, and consent. I'll tell you about the first BDSM scene I participated in and talk about other types of play I enjoy and what type of assistance I need to participate in play. So let's get started. As a disabled woman, what attracts me to BDSM play? I've asked myself this question a number of times. I'll simplify it by comparing it to my love of tattoos. Some people say they could never get a tattoo because they're afraid of needles. I look at it differently. I spent much of my life, starting in childhood, in hospitals getting surgeries getting poked and prodded over and over again. Getting a tattoo is a different sort of pain. It's a pain that I choose. It's a pain I have some control over. The beautiful tattoo and the beautiful marks on my ass after a scene are marks I can feel proud of. I also feel like kink gives me autonomy and a way to express my sexuality even though I cannot always have traditional sex. Pain leads me to not be able to have sex. Some people with disabilities cannot have orgasms as they have limited sensation in their genitals. BDSM can open a whole new world of exploration for them. Getting flogged or whipped will release feel-good endorphins. And I've had orgasms from being flogged and being whipped and been put into subspace. BDSM creates intimacy between my partner and I without having to have traditional sex. The communication involved, the rituals involved, all create intimacy like nothing else. As a person with a disability, I was used to pain. Kink gave me the ability to have pain that leads to pleasure, something I can enjoy and something I can be proud of. Now, some of you, when you think about kink and BDSM play, you think about what you've seen in Fifty Shades of Grey. The Fifty Shades of Grey books brought interest in BDSM to lots of people, and it brought a lot of people out into the kink scene. However, BDSM in real life is much different than you see in the movies. 
In real life, you need consent and negotiation. You need to play safely. Staying safe in the kink world is much like the vanilla world. You have to be safe everywhere. The kink world is no different. There's all types of people here, good and bad. And all the safety tips I gave in episode three are true when you enter the kink scene. You still want to use a buddy system, make a safe call, and make sure someone knows where you are and where you're headed. In the kink world, vetting is also important. That means you find out about the people you play with from others in the community. If you're a submissive, talk with other submissives. Just like in the vanilla world, you have to put your safety first. And I think any dominant that is worth anything will understand and support you in doing so. As people with disabilities, we have to be even more aware of safety. I'll describe the first play scene I participated in next. I started going to a local dungeon, and in the beginning, I wouldn't participate. I would just sit and watch on the sidelines. I really liked the way this particular dungeon was set up. It was a large room with spanking benches, crosses, and other fun items. It also had seating for people to sit along the corners. So I was very comfortable going, sitting on the sidelines, and being a wallflower. Just people watching. I actually found a dominant that I was attracted to. He attended a few of the munches I went to, so I got to know him and his submissive. I didn't understand the attraction of BDSM at the time, but I enjoyed watching them play. When I saw how much his submissive enjoyed it and listened to her coming from being flogged and whipped, I knew this was something I wanted to experience. I didn't think it would ever happen for me. Ange was saying that'll never happen, but Ella wanted it to. Remember when I talked about my two sides of my personality, Ange and Ella, in episode two. Ange, who focuses only on what I can't do because of my disability, and Ella, who's a part of me who is confident and adventurous. I'm glad to say Ella wanted this enough to make it happen. Now, this guy was a swinger. He had a bit of a reputation in the community of being a swinger and hitting on newbies. But I didn't know any of this at the time. And to be honest, he did everything right with me. This guy seemed to know how to meet me where I was at emotionally. He would sit with me and talk with me at the dungeon. I was in my mid-30s, but he would talk and I would giggle like a schoolgirl. I didn't know how to flirt because I never really did it before. And he picked up on that. I remember him asking me if I wanted to make out. And it made me laugh, but it also made me feel really comfortable. He came down to the level I was at at that moment. A few months later, I asked him to flog me. He sat with me and asked questions. It's important when you consider playing to negotiate. Make sure when you negotiate, you not only talk about your likes and dislikes, but talk about your medical issues. In this scene I was about to have, we took time to negotiate. 
I told him about my scar from my spina bifida on my lower back, right above my butt, which would really hurt if it got hit. It hurts just from being touched. It can send a pain shooting down my leg. So for anyone with a disability considering a BDSM scene, please think about your medical issues and any dangers you could possibly have. This goes for tops and bottoms. Often when we think about negotiation, we think about the bottoms limits, but also check in with your tops as well. Tops or dominants may often think they can't show any weakness, but their health is just as important. Maybe you're playing with a top who needs to sit down after a certain amount of time due to pain or can't use a certain tool because of arm fatigue. When he flogged me, he had his submissive sit and watch me. Because the music was so loud, he was concerned that he might not hear me say red. So she watched and she checked in on me occasionally to make sure I was still good. It's also a really good accommodation if the top has any type of hearing loss. Have someone else sit and watch or use some other type of signal besides calling red. Maybe do something with your hands. Show some type of signal. When he started flogging me, he started slowly, then increased intensity in the middle as I was enjoying it and craving more. Then towards the end, he slowed back down to bring me back. I need to be taken up slowly and brought back down after. This is why it's better to play with an experienced top. Other times when a top would just start right off from the bat with heavy impact and stay at that one intensity level throughout the scene have not been enjoyable for me. I prefer all tops start slowly, take the intensity up, and then bring it back down when playing with me. At the time, I walked with one crutch, and after the scene, the top and my husband both walked me back to the seating area, as none of us really knew how my balance would be if I'd be able to walk independently. Then it was time for aftercare. Aftercare should always be discussed during negotiations, as different people like different types of aftercare. Now, my husband happened to be watching this scene, so I told the top that I wanted cuddles with my husband afterwards. So I returned to my husband after the scene. But this dominant went and got me a cup of water, which I didn't even realize I needed as I was still new. It's important to stay hydrated after a scene. Some people also like chocolate or something sweet after a scene. Some people may require this if they have low blood sugar. After I recovered, the dominant came over and talked with my husband and I about how we both felt after the scene was over. What was really hot about this first scene I had is that this top left me wanting more. Now, probably because this dominant was the first to flog me and put me in subspace, I ended up becoming obsessed with him. I would go to his house for parties, which would quickly turn into swinger parties. I remember sitting in one of those parties completely naked 
and watching other people have sex, but no one wanted to touch me. All of a sudden, I was back to being that little kid in school that no one wanted to play with at recess. Ange was back, except this time I was naked. This was no longer fun for me. I got hurt, not physically, but I was heartbroken. But just like my dating experiences in the vanilla world, I don't regret any of it. I was hurt, but I also learned. I learned who I was. I learned that I'm not a swinger. I wrote a note to this dominant who I first played with. And I, I wanted to share it here. I never sent it, but I, I shared it on my fit page as well. I was warned to stay away from you, but I couldn't resist. You came into my life as I was going through hell, both professionally and personally. I needed an escape. You provided me with one. I knew when I needed you, I could send you a naughty text and get your attention. I knew it was one-sided. I knew you didn't want me as I wanted you, but you flattered me by responding back. You allowed me the fantasy. You introduced me to kink. I was a frightened little girl in a world I knew nothing about. You took me by the hand and you met me at my own level. You turned my fear into intrigue as I realized I wanted to feel you slap my ass. Some may say you used me, but I needed to be used. I begged you for it. I didn't need love. I didn't need commitment. I had that already with another man. I needed the fantasy. I needed to be beaten and bruised. I made many mistakes because of my feelings for you. I hurt people I loved. I hurt myself. I eventually had to say goodbye to you. I had to force myself to stop calling and texting. You became an addiction like any other. However, I have no regrets. You made a middle-aged woman feel like a teenager again. I have learned and I have grown. I was able to count on you when I needed that release. With your humiliation, your hands, and your canes, you took away my pain, if only for a moment. Without you, I would not have found my path in this lifestyle. I wouldn't have met my sir or even known about my need to submit. For that, I thank you. Fortunately, I always felt safe with this particular dominant. There was never any consent violations. This guy had all my consent. In fact, he actually made me beg him to flog me. And you know what? It was hot to make me beg, but I understand that part of the reason of making me beg for it was that he wanted to make sure this was something I really wanted. Asking for consent can be hot. Making me beg for it was a way to make asking for consent sexy. Let's take a little time here to talk about consent. I think consent is going to be one of those topics that's going to be talked about in a lot of episodes. There's a definition of consent from Planned Parenthood that I really like. It was called Consent Fries. I'll put a link to a handout on Consent Fries in the show notes. Fries basically stands for consent being 
freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. Now this was created for consent around sex, but it also applies to BDSM play. Consent needs to be freely given without coercion. Someone asking you multiple times to play when you've already said no is coercion. Consent can also be reversed at any time. So maybe you want to play, but then you decide you don't anymore and you want to stop in the middle of a scene. This is where we talk about safe words. You can use predetermined safe words such as red to end the scene whenever you get uncomfortable and want to stop. You can do that at any time. Consent is informed. This means you know exactly what you're consenting to. Consent is enthusiastic. All parties involved should be enthusiastic and excited to participate in this scene. Consent is specific. So just because I consent to being flogged doesn't mean I consent to having sex. BDSM play is not sex and often does not lead to sex. Someone who is in subspace or someone who is intoxicated cannot give consent. I wouldn't play with someone top or bottom who is drunk or high as they cannot give consent. And you'll see most dungeons do not provide alcohol. There are other phrases you'll hear in the BDSM scene around play and consent. There's SSC, which is safe, sane, and consensual. Prick, personal responsibility and consensual kink. And rack, risk aware consensual kink. So we have to be aware of the risks we are taking when playing in a scene before we consent. Remember that what we do in BDSM is still illegal. Someone cannot legally consent to being flogged or whipped. The National Coalition on Sexual Freedom is working to change this in the U.S. The NCSF also provides information about consent and provides a list of kink-aware professionals. Kink-aware professionals can include mental health professionals as well as attorneys. So I'd recommend checking out the National Coalition on Sexual Freedom and supporting the work they do. Now, when we talk about safe words in the scene, safe words are there for a reason, to keep you safe. Words that are mostly used in public spaces tend to be green, yellow, or red. Green means go, yellow, slow down, and red for stop. We need to talk about what we want and what we don't want prior to play. Consent needs to be negotiated before any play happens. You need to negotiate and talk about everything that will happen during the scene. Don't flog someone, get them into subspace and expect them to go down on you. They did not consent to that prior to the scene. When someone's in subspace, this is not the time to ask for consent. Remember, consent needs to be informed. There have been a lot of consent violation issues in the scene, not just in Philadelphia, but all over. 
the fact that there have been so many consent violations is part of the reason that I don't participate in casual play anymore. Today, I only play with my sir or a service top. You'll find service tops at local dungeons specializing in different types of play. I recommend finding out who the service tops are in your area. Who does the service topping in local dungeons? And talk with other submissives about the people you play with. Again, the best way to do that is by going to munches and socializing with others. Now, my sir allows me to play with service tops in his presence only in order to keep me safe. One of my favorite types of play is fire play. I've bought them for a few different service tops in the Philadelphia area. There is assistance I need when I do fire play. I have to have assistance getting up on the massage table for play. The tables have to be high enough for the top to reach me safely. So I usually need a stool and help from one or two people to get up on the table. Today, my sir will assist me and knows exactly how to help me, but before, I would have to let the service top know what to do to help me. Before I had my sir, I would always leave my braces and shoes on for fire play, even if I was completely naked otherwise. That way, I was able to get up when I needed to. The top needed to be aware of that accommodation for me. Today, I'll take the time to take my braces, shoes, and socks off and hand them to my sir before play. I also let the service top know not to touch my feet with fire because I have limited sensation in my feet and I wouldn't be able to tell if it was too hot. Same with wax play or playing with hot wax. Going near my feet with anything hot is a hard limit for me. Now, I've only learned by doing that and finding out that I couldn't feel how hot, how much heat was on my feet. Sarah and I have also taken a fire play class that was amazing. It happened to be Super Bowl Sunday, and it was a Super Bowl where the Eagles were not playing, so Sarah agreed to take me. Because of the Super Bowl, we were the only ones that came to class, so we got a personalized lesson. I got to bottom for about two hours to Sir and the service top. It was awesome. Sir also bottomed, though, so that he could feel what it was like. I appreciate having a top who is willing to experience fire so they know what they're doing to someone else and what it should and should not feel like. As far as impact play, I enjoy flogging and some caning. I'm more of a thuddy girl than a stingy girl, meaning I enjoy heavy, thuddy toys. I've only experienced very light whipping once. The lady who played with whips with me would call it giving me whip kisses. And it was actually much more sensual than sadistic. Even with flogging, people think of BDSM play as being really sadistic, really painful, but you know, flogging and even these whip kisses that I got were actually very sensual and that was very enjoyable. I also enjoy electro play or violet wands. I remember one time I went to a swingers club with a couple friends of mine a few years ago 
It was actually a kink event at the Swingers Club. The only issue was my top wanted to use the violet wand with me, and there were no electrical outlets in some of the smaller rooms. So we ended up playing in the big room where everyone else was having sex. Mixing the kinksters and the swingers seemed like a great idea, but there were some things they didn't consider at the time. We had a fun night though, and it makes for a good story now. Make sure when you negotiate a scene that your partner clearly understands everything you're discussing. Remember, consent needs to be informed. And if you don't understand everything, make sure you ask questions if you're unsure about anything. Discuss your soft and hard limits. Everyone has them. If you're not sure about something, ask. Before play is the time to discuss all of these things. Don't change things up in the middle of the scene. Don't change things up after the scene when your bottom is in subspace. Know your soft and hard limits. Everyone has limits. If I were a top and a bottom told me that they had no limits, I wouldn't play with that bottom because I would think they're too new and they don't know what their limits are. So what are hard limits for me as a bottom? Hard limits for me would include disability fetishizing, diaper fetish, scat, medical play, things of that nature. I'll also talk more in an upcoming episode about disability fetishizing. Other hard limits for me would include slapping my face, using punishment, or even, as some refer to it as, punishment. Now, I enjoy getting spanked for fun, but not as a punishment, or even punishment. Another hard limit would be touching my spina bifida scar, or touching my feet with certain things like fire. So soft limits are things you don't want to do in the scene, but you could be open to negotiating about them in the future. For me, believe it or not, hair pulling was once a soft limit. Kind of makes me laugh now. Those of you who know me know I love hair pulling now. Whips were once a soft limit for me, but I'd like to experience more play with whips in the future as I've had one really good experience. So for anyone with a disability, think about your medical issues and any dangers you could possibly have before getting into BDSM play. I'd even suggest talking with your doctors about BDSM activity. I've done so myself and surprisingly, doctors hear it all. They weren't surprised or they weren't taken back when I told them about BDSM play. As a person with a disability, what are the things that you need to consider when you play? And recognize that over time, the way you play may change due to your disability. In the past, I could stand up against a St. Andrew's cross. Today, I wouldn't be able to do that. I used to be able to experience impact play by standing for a short period of time and taking breaks standing up against a St. Andrew's cross. Today, I can no longer stand long enough to do so. So when Sarah and I have played recent, more recently, I've been lying down. 
In a public space, I could lie across a spanking bench, but today we usually play at home and I lie on the bed. I also often need to take breaks. I sometimes need to stop for bathroom breaks. Now that doesn't necessarily mean I want all play to stop. I may need to go to the bathroom and when I come back, I wanna start up again. So during the scene, I can call yellow, get up, do what I need to do and come back. What about making public spaces more welcome to folks with disabilities? First, we have to think about accessibility. And we also have to think about things like music and lighting. Music and lighting in the dungeon can often be difficult for folks who have sensory issues or seizure disorders. We also have to think about space in between scenes. So there has to be enough space for someone using a wheelchair to get by in between different scenes and in between the whips flying and vloggers flying. So I hope in this episode I gave you some suggestions and tips that you can use when you enter the kink scene and you're interested in participating in play. Most importantly, take things slow. Go at the pace of the slowest moving person. I also suggest going to classes that teach about play. I've gone to some great classes on flogging, whipping, and fire play. Even though I'm the submissive, I still go to these classes so that I know when I play with a top, I can observe them and know what they're doing. It's another way I keep myself safe. If you're on the other side and about to play with someone who has a disability, ask them about any safety or medical issues they have. You not only have the right to ask them, you have the responsibility to ask. Thank you for joining me. Be well and play safe. At the end of every episode, I'll be posting a question for you to consider. Today's question is, what does aftercare look like for you? Are there things you require in aftercare due to your disability? This is something you'll want to think about before you consider playing so you can tell your partner what you require in aftercare before you play. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this question. Go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R ability.com and share your thoughts with me. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S-I-R ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.